It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. NBA Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out at leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line, our good friend from Bleacher Report. He is Howard Beck. And Howard, uh, you have been immortalized several times over in different episodes of Game of Zones, which came to a close a few weeks ago. Did you Do you think that the, the Game of Zones uh, guys who you've had on your podcast, are they soothsayers? Can they see the future? Because Kyrie Irving's kind of living up to how they presented him in that final couple episodes. I mean, listen, Craig and Adam Malamut, the creators of Game of Zones, are – geniuses they're hilarious <laughs> they're amazing but um predicting that Kyrie Irving might someday do something <laughs> a little wacky and kind of following his own way and uh you know throwing off everybody else or being a little bit uh you know stridently independent you know that, that, that it didn't take any genius to, to, to come up with that that plot line that's that's just Kyrie but um, I would just say before we get deep into it and, and waste anybody's time, uh, the idea of starting their own league, players starting their own league, has come up many, many times over the years, especially when there's been labor strife during the lockout in 98, during the lockout in 2011. This thing gets floated um, every so often, again, especially at times when players feel like they're being undervalued, not in the context like we're having right now, which is a very unique one. And, you know, it comes, it gets discussed, it goes. Uh, it's not worth taking that seriously, especially now. <laughs> so, Howard, I wanted to run this by you because Jake and I have been sort of going back and forth arguing all week ever since the details of the plan came out. He's saying that the NBA has taken it too far. Well, I'm paraphrasing, and I'm probably going to distort what he said, but uh, that's my privilege. When has that ever stopped today. us? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he, he thinks that some of the measures that the NBA has put into place are overboard and kind of for public relations uh, considerations. And I, my, my point is more, why not do everything possible to keep people safe, especially with what's going on with, in Florida right now? What, what's your, what are your thoughts on the plan? Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what in particular Jake is seizing on as, as, as cynically feeling like it's just for PR purposes. So you can, you can tell me and I can respond. But um, there's nothing about their plan that, that I've seen or read so far that struck me as being either extreme or unreasonable or surprising in any way. I, I mean, it's thorough. It's extensive. Um, it is trying to strike the right balance between safety and not making everybody crazy <laughs> because mm-hmm. they're going to, you know, guys are going to be stuck in between seven and 17 weeks. Um, you know, there are some accommodations that they're trying to make. And they're also, of course, you know, they're not going to lock down the Disney employees. They're going to come and go. They're not in quarantine. They're not in sequester. They're going to be potentially out where they could pick up the virus and bring it into the bubble. Um, and these are just concessions that they had to make, that it's, it's just not realistic to have an entire hermetically sealed virtual bubble where nobody comes and goes for months on end. So um, I think the biggest concern right now is not anything that the NBA is planning. It's the things that they cannot plan for at all, such as the fact that, 
today, again, Orange County, Florida, where Orlando is located, had its highest numbers in COVID cases and new new cases. And it's it's that that part has to be alarming. It's got to have the NBA a little bit on edge. Uh, some some things that Jake has pointed out, and I think he has some validity to his belief on this, is you can go sweat uh, and play uh, man-to-man, glove-like defense uh, against another human being and share sweat and other things for 48 minutes, but you can't share the same deck of cards that you played with yesterday. You have to get a new deck of cards. He sees that more as like a window-dressing type thing rather than a, a medical uh, expert saying, well, you can catch the virus if you use the same deck of cards howard i mean i don't necessarily understand the scientific reasoning behind things as as at that macro level i'm sure somebody on their board of experts and they've got you know they've got really good, good smart people epidemiologists and they've been consulting on this i'm sure there's a reason why uh they went down to that level mm-hmm. of detail i'm not so cynical as to believe that they put it in the hundred you know the, the 110 page uh <laughs> compendium of protocols just so that we could go oh wow look at that they're so careful they're throwing away playing cards i mean i did that's that's silly um i i i don't you know listen there there are aspects of it that don't make sense to me either as a, a layman um such as players when they're on the court yes no masks obviously banging against each other breathing on each other but if they're behind the bench they're going to be in a mask in that in, on that same court like i don't some of this stuff i don't quite understand how i don't understand what, what protection that 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 uh provides you in an environment where otherwise guys are like sweating and breathing hard and especially given that it seems like there is more evidence of this being spread through the air than there is uh through uh through 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 touching surfaces yeah howard i think michelle roberts agrees with uh with what you're saying, what I've been saying, that, uh, th- th- I mean, the, the league seems like it's doing everything possible to protect the people as it should, protect the players, the staff, the coaches, everybody. And and I applaud the effort, man. The only other thing they, they could do to keep it safer is not to do it at all. And uh, I guess that's where we are on this. You know, you mentioned the escalating numbers of positive tests. That's happening here in Utah. Uh, it's happening in a lot of places, and it scares me still. And I always like to hear your opinion on it because it's it's so important to our society. But I, I, I don't know what else the league could do. Yeah, I mean, listen, this, when you decide to go forward with this, when you decide you're going to play games, I think you know going in there is a certain amount of risk. And then everything else you do, is just simply minimizing that risk. Every every measure you take is just about pushing that percentage down a little bit further and making it, you know, just incrementally safer while knowing all along that the very fact that you're going to put on, you know, any number of, of games involving 22 teams and 374 players and all the staff that's there and putting them on planes to get them there and having them, you know, potentially come into contact with people along the way, like there's, there, there's a certain amount of risk that's just built into the enterprise, and you're weighing that against not having a, com- a concluded season. You're weighing that against the losses of, of 900 million to a billion dollars. Um, it, it, it's there's no getting around that. Um, you, you cannot possibly stage an NBA uh, playoffs that's going to take two months, and, and you know, in the eight regular season games that they're going to play before that per team uh, without there being risk. 
So the question is not are they taking risk. The question is how how good are the measures that they're taking to minimize the risk, and is it enough? And then the, the, then there's all the, the the hypotheticals of the unknown. What happens when there's a, a positive test when it's a player? Um, what happens if if it's three, four, five, six guys on the same team? Um, you know, at what point? What would what would be the threshold that they're comfortable with, and what would be the threshold that would shut it down? And I noticed that Dr. Fauci said that he was encouraging, even though it might be impossible, the NFL to follow the NBA model if at all possible. It's not possible, I don't think. But anyway, I I, I think the NBA. I'm not I'm not a PR guy for the NBA, but I think they've done everything that they possibly can to pull this thing off, and we'll see if it's successful. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I haven't listen. I haven't seen since the the the. Uh, documents have become public and their protocols have become public. I haven't seen any experts, any epidemiologists, infectious control experts say anything to indicate that the NBA has overlooked something or that this plan is, is unsound in any way. Um, you know, I, I, I would I would heed the word of those folks if they did say so. Um, I, I think the one thing that I have seen, of course, again, is it's alarming that the numbers keep surging as they are in uh, Orange County, Florida, where where they're going to be heading. Mm. Howard, a few years back, you had Commissioner Silver on your Full 48 podcast, and he was talking about the, the season awards show that they've now transitioned to, where the votes are, or the, the awards are now announced at a show in the offseason. That, with that in mind, in, in years before that, the, the, it would be announced in May, the MVP and that sort of thing, and then the playoffs took place. Is there someone who can play their way into being the MVP in the playoffs in Orlando, or is this just kind of like a eh, whatever year for the season awards? Well, the season awards, the one thing that is certain is that they will be, as they always have been, based solely on regular season. The only question right now is what qualifies as regular season? Because <laughs> for eight teams, the season's already over. For 22 teams that are going to Orlando, there are eight, eight what they're calling seeding games left to play. Those games are going to count in the standings. Mm. The standings are going to change. And so I would argue that those, those games should count. Now, it's not going to probably change Giannis versus LeBron for MVP. I don't think eight games in Orlando is going to get allow LeBron to vault Giannis. I think it's probably Giannis one and LeBron two, and I think that that's probably the case on most ballots, if I had to guess. But the three, four, five slots on the MVP race um, could change. Maybe Coach of the Year changes. You know, what if, what if the Mavericks somehow get to, I don't know how high they can get in the, in the West, but, um, you know, for the teams like the Mavericks and, and the Thunder, so Billy Donovan, Rick Carlisle, teams that have, have really surpassed expectations already, they get a little higher. Does that change the, the coach of the year race? Um, or is it Nick Nurse anyway? You know, maybe it is. But I, you know, there, are, there are eight games to play. Um, if Portland's jump, listen, Portland is, is on the outside looking in. They get to eighth place through the seeding games. Um, does that put Dame Lillard a little higher, you know, you know, fourth on an MVP ballot instead of fifth. I mean, it's, it's little things around the margins that I think could still change. Howard, I know we've asked you about this before, but with the movement toward better uh, racial justice and social uh, uh, raging against social injustice, do you what do you do think about what the league included in that information about what the emphasis would be, how that would be emphasized? Uh, through the uh, the bubble games and playoffs, what do you what do you anticipate there? Do you think we'll see 
uh, just public service announcements? Do you think we'll see uh, some sort of presentation during games? What, what what do you think? The NBA has not tipped its hand at all on, on what, um, you know, how that will manifest, right? Like, we know that they will do something. We know that the NBA is a, a progressive and, and socially conscious league. We know this is a league, obviously, made up of, of uh, you know, majority black players. And they're the, the, the you know, whether it's coaches or GMs, league officials, people have been, um, you know, pretty outspoken the last few weeks about everything that's going on right now and about wanting to keep pushing these issues forward. And they'll have this amazing platform in Orlando to do that. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of options. I, I don't know where they'll head with it. I don't know if it's simply devoting maybe some pregame and halftime show type stuff, you know, or, or interviews or special segments that highlight social justice issues or that highlight Black Lives Matter or that higher voting rights, uh, highlight voting rights issues. It, it could be any number of things. I mean, they could, they could really build on this in a major way. Um, you know, w- will we see something more like along the lines of, of guys taking a knee during the anthem? Um, that could be pretty powerful if everybody in the league did that. Could we see some incorporation of, of the Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, uh, signage or logos, um, you know, on uh, uniforms, on the courts? Um, I, I don't know. I, there, there's a lot of different ways they could, uh, you know, a lot of different directions they could take this. I don't know what it'll be, but I'm, I'm sure they will do something. Howard, do you have plans uh, to, if you're allowed to go and travel and cover this thing in Orlando, or will you bow out if that's an option? The way it's going to break down, uh, they're going to have a, a, a uh, very small number of reporters who can go into the bubble. But when you commit to the bubble, you're pretty much committing for the whole way. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make sense for, for me to do. Um, the most I would do would be to be what they're referring to as basically a tier two for reporters where you can go down, not be in the bubble, stay wherever you want to, conduct yourself however you'd like to, but you're not getting anywhere near anybody. <laughs> the most you can do is go and be in the arena for the game at a, at a distance, at a safe distance, obviously, from the participants. So uh, my current thinking, given how how – small the the pool of people who can be in the bubble is from the media and how little access there is even for those people i would go down if 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 anything probably just for the finals outside of the bubble and you know unfortunately that means i'm I'm watching from the stands and with no access to anybody to to be able to do any interviews um up close so uh but that's where we are howard how how has the coronavirus uh situation affected the way you cover the the game, the league, players, you do your podcast, you do all these things. Have you has, have you been able to stay in touch with your normal contacts, your normal sources? Uh, what's what's going on with that? Well, you know, it, it's it, yes, I've been able to stay in contact. I mean, my my job is is more as a national writer and and, and you know, podcasting everything else. Those are. Those are things that are done mostly by phone anyway. Where it hurts is that, you know, when teams aren't coming through New York where I'm based um, and I can't travel, obviously, either. There's, there's you know, there's no one's, no one's traveling. You, you can't you can't get FaceTime with anybody. Like, literally, this is a, this is a whole, our whole society right now, right, is just a lack of FaceTime. Um, unless we're talking about FaceTime, the Apple app, you know. Um, <laughs> it, it's there's There's just no ability to make new contacts that, you know, a lot of the, the job is just kind of schmoozing. And, you know, you, I go to a, a Knicks or a Nets game and whoever's coming through town, that's when I get a chance to just, you know, 
see, you know, GMs and scouts and others, and, you know, you, you meet new people just pregame milling about on the court. Um, and so that, that part of the job has just kind of been completely eliminated in addition to obviously having any games to go to or, or cover at all. But um, there's a lot I can do by phone from home, and I do a lot of that even during a normal season. So it's been all right, but wouldn't want to keep doing it this way for too long. Even, even oh, sorry, go ahead, Gordon. Go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to I was gonna ask uh, Howard, even with your best intentions and, and, and all the time that you could and do dedicate to watching NBA games, there's 30 teams in this league. I, I'm guessing you did not watch all 64 games that the Utah Jazz have played in thus far, correct? Uh, that would be correct. Okay, yeah. but of the moments that you, you, you have observed, I'm asking for a very unfair grade for how the Mike Conley marriage has gone for the Utah Jazz thus far. Oh, man. Um, Again, you know, it's very it unfair, the, but it's still. Also, yeah, add, it to the, add, it to, add it to the list of season subplots that I haven't thought about in three months. <laughs> <laughs> um, seriously, like it's it, it gotten to the point where it, it, everything feels so long ago. I, it's, I'm starting to forget, you know, you know, guys were on certain teams. Like it, it's it, it's it's just really been a um, it, it's it's just a, we're sitting in such a weird headspace. Um, I, I would give it a C, but you know the, the injury is a lot a huge part of that, and you know um, you you hope that we see a different version of him when they resume. You see, you hope we see a different version whenever next season starts, and and there's more having been more time to uh, to acclimate. It's almost as though, Howard, when we ask you a question like that, with everything that's gone on in our world, it's kind of like you shrug your shoulders right. and say, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> There's a you little know? bit of that. I don't, I, you yeah. know, I never mean to, to, to diminish it. You know, sports is still important to, to people as an outlet. But, yeah, at a moment like this, it's obviously hard to uh, feel that strongly about some of the things that we normally spend so much time fretting over. Well, that being said, Gordon, do you have anything else, or should we let Howard go? No, I, no, I just have, I do want to say this, and I always hit Howard with this stuff at some point in the interview because I have, I hold your opinion in high regard. Uh, if you were going to write, if you were going to sit down, Howard, and write an essay on on what's happened in our in our world as specific to the Black Lives Matter and and how it intersects with sports and sports role in in that movement uh what would your what would your opening paragraphs be i mean what 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 would you say i mean this is worse than my editors asking me for like a, a new <laughs> A new lead at eleven o'clock at night on headline. Uh, um, I thought my question was unfair. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Gordon just topped you by a mile. Uh, um, I, I could not tell you word for word what my lead would be or my first paragraph would be. Um, what I what I think I would tell you is this. I think if there's nothing else, and I'm aiming this uh, primarily at uh, white people and everybody else who does not feel like they understand or has some resistance to what they're seeing, what they're hearing. Um, if you're an NBA fan, which hopefully you are, if you're listening to your show and, and these are your, your listeners, <laughs> listen to what the players are telling you. Um, listen to what former uh, jazz player Kyle Korver has said and, and has written in the Players' Tribune about white privilege. And understand that these people that you're rooting for, that you profess so much allegiance to and who excite you and inspire you, that there are people behind all those highlight plays. And those people are being deeply, deeply affected by 
wrongs that are continuing in our society. And this is a time that we can all finally turn the corner on this, I hope. And um, I, I think it's the humanity of the players that should stand out right now because they're out in the streets with everybody else trying to, to hammer home what's going on. And this is a time to, if you, if you really love these players and they inspire you and you, you, you feel something you know, for them as fans, then, then listen to them. Howard, you're a gifted reporter, but I know you well enough to say you most uh, most hold up your uh, your title as father and husband. So please have a good, safe, happy Father's Day weekend with your family, will you? Appreciate it, fellas. You too. Thanks so much. Take you care. It. It's Howard Beck of Bleacher Report. He's here every Friday with us for the NBA Daily Assist. Coming up next, Gordon, today is Juneteenth or Jubilee Day or Freedom Day. And uh, DJ and PK had a moment to catch up with Jay Hill this morning up at Weber State. And a lot of his comments that he made with DJ and PK focused around recruiting black athletes to come play football in Ogden, Utah, and the experience of that and how much he's learned and and grown as a coach and as a person since uh, taking that realm and uh, recruiting such players. And uh, I thought we'd take a moment and listen to some of those comments coming up next if you're all right with that. Yeah, well worth it. All right, coming up next, Jay Hill right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And now it's time for a back-to-basketball update. Ow! Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net! Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. If you haven't taken a moment to look over the hotel grades that the NBA uh, players will be staying in in the wide world of Disney's uh, sports down there in Orlando, the Jazz made the cut for the upper echelon. They'll be staying at the uh, Destino, the Grand Destino. It's the newest and nicest hotel down there. Uh, I know no word on as to whether or not the Lakers will have to stay at the Motel 6. Oh, wait, no, there is word here. They will have the nicest penthouse at the Grand Grand Destino Tower. Gordon, you've been to Disney World. Where did you stay when you go down there? Uh, I stayed in a tent. Nah, right. Nobody uh, believes I can't that. Remember. I can't even remember where we stayed, but we had a wonderful time there. Uh, so there you go. If you believe that accommodations can play a role, that's something you want. You might want to check out. And then this Ura Ring or Aura Ring, I don't know how, they, how you pronounce it, that is supposed to help you predict... COVID-19 symptoms up to three days ahead of time? I don't know. I don't know if, I, if I'm buying into that because if that were true, would we still need a vaccine? I don't know, Gordon. You buying it? I When I read about that, I, I don't know. I thought that was magical, mystical stuff, but uh, you know, maybe maybe not. I, 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 I can neither confirm nor deny. That coupled with a rabbit's foot and you'll be safe. That's your Back to Basketball update brought to you by Zions Bank. This is DJ and PK. Brian Kilbrowski, NBA reporter for Hoops Hype. Do you have any thoughts about Sam Merrill out of Utah State? Love the guy. I think that Sam Merrill's productivity was phenomenal. Sam is going to be somebody that they're going to be able to really see what you are. You know, he might not be the most incredible athlete. He's not going to jump out of the gym, but he's somebody who I think you can count on to get that ball in the bucket and make the right basketball play. And I'm by stocking Sam as well. I think that he really proved something to me over his four-year career, man. I mean, he's a great shooter. And, you know, the athletic John Hollinger, he thinks 
think that Sam is the most underrated player in the draft as well. And I think that he makes a lot of good points in identifying that. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.